On this episode of the Culture Pop Podcast, Sue's running exploits, my fantasy baseball league, and a bold prediction about our Los Angeles Dodgers for 2022. Plus, after Spencer Garrett, who plays Chick Hearn in the HBO series Winning Time, the rise of the Lakers dynasty. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the Culture Pop Podcast on Apple, Spotify, and at stevemason.com. And don't forget to leave us a rating and a review. The Culture Pop Podcast is brought to you by the law offices of Jacob M. Ronnie. Accident or injury, call Jacob M. Ronnie. Call Jacob. Hey, it's Mace. If you or a friend or loved one is injured in an accident, the first person you should call is my friend Jacob. When I did this, Jacob was great. He helped me by talking through the next steps, which really put my mind at ease. When you're injured in an accident, you got to have an expert. That's why you call Jacob, just like I did. Call Jacob, 844-24-JACOB. That's 844-24-JACOB. Or visit calljacob.com. Call Jacob. Hey everybody, welcome to the Culture Pop Podcast. I'm Steve Mason along with Sue Kalinsky. Sue Baloo, what are you doing to yourself? You ran how much this weekend? Oh, Saturday, 14 miles. So and, why? Uh, why do you do this to yourself? Well, I question that too because <laughs> usually when you're running that many miles, you're preparing for a race. Yeah. And I don't have a race coming you up. You have, I was going to say, you're not, you don't have anything coming up, I don't think, right? I don't because the race I was going to do, um, I'm going to New York that weekend. So I couldn't sign up for it. So, you know, I did a 5K on Sunday, um, but we. we oh, this week you did 14 miles on Saturday and then and a then 5K five, on Sunday? But I didn't run the 5K because uh, the woman who heads up my group, you know, was she, she's actually, she has cancer. So oh, we, we, in support of her. Yeah. We we walked with her. So the whole group walked instead of ran. Oh, okay. And and she's doing okay. She's doing okay. That's good. Good. Um, so um, but it was just it was the hours too, because I had to get up Saturday, I had to get up at five in the morning. Now, why would you out of your own volition get up at five o'clock in the morning, especially when it was to run 14 miles for a race that isn't coming up? Like um, what's the, what's the, what, what, what's the, the thought process in your head for that? Well, I, I really enjoy running. Yeah. So, and I really like being with the group. So it was kind of a combination of that and, um, and, and just doing 14 miles. I mean, it's, it's just, it feels good to do. God, I hate running. <laughs> I so hate running. Yeah. Like, you know, I picked up golf for a bit at the station, you know, for a brief amount of time. Yes, I know. I was willing to do that. And you said you were going to stay with it. Yeah. yeah. And you were they, good at it. They took my clubs away. <laughs> You're like, like, uh, <laughs> they, what, they what took was it? my clubs. Char- Charlie, they took my thumbs, the Pope of Greenwich Village. Yeah. Hey, they took my clubs. Yeah, um, they took my clubs. I had loaner clubs out from uh, Black Gold. Then they come and take them away. I'm like, well, I'm not going out and paying for golf clubs to play the Rancho Park every two weeks. Well, you can get clubs. You can get clubs for inexpensive. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I and, and and by the way, and run, run, hate running with a passion, just yes. with a passion, because I ran cross country in high school. Uh, mm-hmm. We ran and we ran and we ran. I never really placed in any of the races. I think maybe I placed one time in one of the uh, varsity races. Mm-hmm. Uh, but beyond that, um, I was just running for the And I swore the day I was done, I would never run again. And sure enough, I have not run again. I have no interest whatsoever. You see, I don't run for like the winning part of it, you know, although Everyone gets a medal. Everyone. That's right. <laughs> but I run because mentally I like the run. Um, you know, I, when, when, uh, when I'm stuck, if I'm writing and I can't, you know, I, I just can't crack something, I go out for a run and I, and I work things out. I, yeah. I problem solve while I run. Yeah. So okay. So it's it almost a, like meditation. Yeah. It serves a dual purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, baseball season's here and I could not be more excited. You know what I was doing on Saturday? You'll appreciate this. What I was doing on Saturday when I woke up on Saturday morning was the monster shaky league fantasy baseball draft. 
a great five hours, one of my favorite five hours of the year getting ready for the uh, league. Now, you were in it, right? Mm-hmm. You were in our fantasy league for one year? I was in it for one year. Um, Shay. Um, O'Shea Jackson, um, O'Shea Jackson Jr. Um, was supposed to be my partner. Yeah. And he didn't show up for the draft. <laughs> That's right. And I don't know whether I would have done it by myself. The fact that I had a partner put, you know, didn't put all the pressure on me. And Shay's a fun guy. I thought, oh, it'd be great. You know, we'll do this together. So he doesn't show up. I text him during the draft, right before it starts. Yeah. And he's texting me and he said, okay. He said, just tell me, you know, who you're getting and I'll like guide you a little bit. And I probably know more about baseball than he does. Oh, you absolutely know more baseball than Shay does. Shay knows the Dodgers, but that's about it. So like probably a quarter of the way through the draft, he totally just disappears. Disappeared on you. (laughs) And then he said that he would, you know, he would, you know, be a part of it during the season. Yeah. So (laughs) he texts me one day and says, um, I have some good ideas about who to get. And then he never, ever gets back to me. So I text him back and I said, well, that's great. I said, are you keeping this to yourself? (laughs) (laughs) And then I never heard back from him. Never heard back. Well, Shay's a busy guy. I, you know, you know, baseball well enough to play, but you say it's screwed up. See, for me, so I get to the end of the night. Um, which for me is like eight ish, eight thirty ish. Uh, when I when I lay down to start getting ready to go to sleep, I put up in my uh, baseball fantasy draft or fantasy league, and I just stare at the numbers. I just start staring. I'm like, huh, where can I do better? And then I'm combing through the free agent pool, and I'm like, exactly the same thing. Well. He's got, he's on a hot streak. Maybe I pick him up. Maybe I don't pick. So, but it's, I need exercises like that for my brain. You know, like Wordle. Now, Wordle, I do every single day. Uh, My fantasy basketball league, every single day. Now, my fantasy baseball league, every single day. I need one of those things going on in my, in my head, kind of uh, that, that sort of puzzle quality happening. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I get, I get too, uh, I get too wrapped up in it. I get pissed off. You know, the, you know, I, if, if, you know, if I'm losing, I don't like it. Um, you know, I look at the stats, you know, like who's in the lead with RBIs and look at, look at what everybody else is doing. And I also feel that some people are a little duplicitous when they're trying to get players from you. They're like, Oh, you really should trade this guy. Cause this guy's great. And they're and like what they're offering is such crap. Yeah, but and I mean, I don't know. Don't, don't you and I don't know whether they were doing it with me because they didn't know me really. So maybe they didn't. They thought that I maybe didn't know a lot about baseball. And uh, I'm like, oh my god, I'm so insulted that you think that I'm going to give you, you know, you know, you know, whoever. But don't you for think whoever. That's any general manager making a trade in Major League Baseball thinks they're getting the best of it? I don't know. It just seemed very sneaky to me. If, uh, sneaky. And what place did you finish? I think you finished in front of me. I did. You finished in front of me and I I give a damn. (laughs) And I tried really hard. Well, I give a damn. I mean, you know, I, I, you know, really followed everybody and, and, and made my decisions based on, you know, um, what I felt was, was knowledge. Um, You know, it wasn't worked better than it worked for me. Yeah. Yeah. But I I don't know. And then it just, it just started to become so overwhelming and it took up so much of my time that I I just, I don't know. So the crazy thing about that fantasy baseball league is that we started it 35 years ago, 30, 1987, we started that league. And there are two like original members of the league, me and Mike Robin, who, you know, who's a Mm -hmm. great showrunner, producer, does that show All Rise for CBS? Did F uh, Nip Talk, a bunch of shows like that. Great mm-hmm. guy. Uh, he and I are the two longest standing members. We were there at the very beginning. And for me, it's almost like, you know how it is it? You know, that's movie seven up, 14 mm-hmm. up, 21 up. Yep. Who yep, made yep. those? Who was Michael Apted. Michael Apted. 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 Yeah. And I always think I wish I had like a video camera 
to have videoed that very first draft and every draft that came after it, because what an unbelievable movie that would be to basically see your life go before your eyes the whole time, by the way, losing fantasy baseball drafts like every year back (laughs) after another loss. What's weird is so I was so good at fantasy baseball uh, when I started out. I probably in those 35 years, I probably won the championship five out of the first 10 years. And then all of a sudden, nothing. All of a sudden, nothing. No wins again. I haven't won in over a decade. Have I won that league? Now, was that due to players that you had that had injuries? Because that's a big, that's a huge part of it. It's a huge part of it. But I mean, 10 years in a row, I don't think you can claim injury. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to be able to say, oh, yeah, it's because zones I got hurt. But no, the realistic truth is I, I just am not very good anymore. Now I'm, I've recommitted. Mm -hmm. I've, I've installed a new system. Um, I have, oh yeah, no new system. Can you talk about it or is that a secret? Sure. I went, I went heavy pitching this time, heavy pitching. I've always gone heavy hitting. I decided I'd go heavy pitching this time. And we'll see if that does me any better. But the uh, the league gets started on Thursday. And no better time of year than uh, the first week of baseball season. So much fun. So did you pick any of the uh, the Mets pitchers? Because they say that the Mets have the best pitching rotation in baseball this year. Uh, Carlos Carrasco. Okay. Yeah. 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 The Mets, you're, you got to be excited about the Mets. I am huh? very excited. Yeah. You got Scherzer now. Mm-hmm. Um, they and the guy spends a lot of money. The guy is not afraid. Cone, to spend yeah, he he's uh, the exact opposite of uh, whoever Wilpon Wilpon. Yeah, Fred Wilpon. Yeah, uh, who lost all his money in the Madoff scandal? <laughs> I know. And you know, it's funny. Bill Maher mm-hmm. was part owner of the Mets, and he said the the uh, the worst time of his life was when he got um, cash calls during the um, the pandemic um, because the member baseball froze and all of a sudden they had no fans and that and Bill's like uh, on, on a show says, yeah. And I mean, every time they called, they needed more money. It was like, it was terrifying to me. Oh my God. And being, you know, a, a piece of the team, he had to, he had to money? shell out. <gasps> exactly. Oh so you God. think you want to own a baseball team, but then yeah. maybe you don't. Maybe wow. you don't, uh, but Bill did get out. He's not one of the owners anymore. He sold out with, uh, with Wilpon, but uh, I have high hopes for the Dodgers this year, Sue. Yeah. High hopes. Mm-hmm. 110 wins. I'm calling it now. Wow. Walker Bueller, Cy Young Award, Freddie Freeman, MVP, and 110 wins. How about that for a Dodger? Yeah. And, and how do you see Kershaw doing this season? I think he's going to be good. I mean, mm-hmm. I think Kershaw, I actually drafted him to my, uh, to my team. I mean, he's, he's going to go through a stretch where he gets hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just, that's just part of the deal uh, with, with owning an older pitcher. But uh, realistically, I think you get 21, 22, 23 starts out of Clayton Kershaw, uh, three something ERA, low threes, um, and say 13, 14 wins. Probably feels like a Kershaw kind of year. Mm-hmm. And then keep him fresh for the postseason when we most need him, when we most need him. Because uh, I, uh, yeah, I really want another World Series. I want another World Series. You do? You want another I ring? Do. I want another ring. Exactly. So uh, our guest today is one of the busiest character actors in Hollywood. On television, he has starred in shows like Bosch. Survivor's Remorse, and For All Mankind. His movies include Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Bombshell, uh, The Front Runner, and Air Force One. His latest project is Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. He is playing legendary broadcaster Chick Hearn. Spencer Garrett joins us. Spencer, thanks so much for doing this. My pleasure, Mason. Good to see you, man. So you are a Duke fan. We were texting back and forth last week. I was rooting for Coach K. Um, Thank you. Me too. Yeah. I, your your thoughts on that game. And just as a Duke fan, the Coach K's legacy, I mean, all that stuff. Look, I mean, the legacy is undeniable. He's the, he's the GOAT. Uh, no matter how you slice it, it was just, uh, as, a, as a guy who went to Duke and went to all those you know, those games and appreciated that rivalry so much. It was a bummer to bummer to lose the lose in the ACC, but then to lose our last our last game to Carolina, 
you know, at home and then in the tournament to lose to them. Just a, a, a bummer way to go out. But uh, I was happy for Kansas last night. Let me let me put it that way. I was I was just I was happy for that outcome. Rooting against Carolina. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm I'm I love my ACC, but I, I had to I had to root for Kansas last night. It was yeah. just it was just too it was just too brutal of a loss for us. It was too, uh, I, you know what, to be honest though, I think if we had made it to the final, if we had played Kansas, that would have been, that would have been a tough match. I don't know if we, I don't know if we could have made it past Kansas. Yeah. Hmm. Boy, blowing that lead. That was a rough game last night for, uh, for Carolina. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And we were, I mean, the other night when we played UNC, we were in it, we were in it more than I actually thought we deserved to be. I mean, cause we couldn't make any outside shots. Uh, foul trouble all night long. It was just, we had nothing going our way. And it was like Mark Williams in the paint all night long and, and, and Bancaro couldn't get hot. And so it just, uh, it, it, it was, it was too close until the end. It could have gone either way, but, uh, unfortunately it went, it went for the, the boys in powder blue. Yeah. 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 Free throws. That free was, throws, uh, that was the, that us. was the dagger, man. Free throws were the dagger and, and, and some bad calls. I got to say, we got, we did not have some good, we, the, 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 the reffing was not, uh, was not on our side either. So obviously uh, this, we're all, we've all been talking about uh, winning time uh, yeah. because we're huge Lakers fan. I work on the Lakers flagship station, you know, Scott sure. Kaplan who works on yeah. the station. How, how familiar with, were you with the Showtime Lakers era before taking on this project? I mean, I'm a, I'm a townie. I'm an LA guy. I grew up in Santa Monica. So I grew up, I was a teenager during that era, 79, the early eighties years of the Showtime Lakers. So Magic and Kareem and Worthy and Coop and all those guys, those were my guys. And I remember going to games and I met Chick Hearn a couple of times when I was a kid. That was a thrill. He was, uh, he was iconic. And that team was like, it was like going to a rock concert every time you went to the forum. Uh, I remember carpooling with a, with my childhood friend's mom who would drive us to games. And like in, in the movie, almost famous where Francis McDormand is waiting outside the arena for her kid. Yeah. Like the parents would sit in the car, you know, they'd come pick us up and we, we'd, we'd go in and, and see our games and we'd get picked up after the game. And uh, it was like going to a rock concert. It really was. It was, I mean, and it's interesting because in comparison to this just dismal season, uh, <laughs> it it makes you it makes you long for the glory days. It makes it makes the it makes the our show even sweeter because you it reminds you of how fantastic they were back in the day. I mean, we did win a championship only two years ago, but uh, this 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 season is uh, terrible and forgettable. You know, it's funny. On Sunday, I was talking to a friend, and he's like, "Are you going to watch the Lakers?" I'm like, "Yeah, I watch the Lakers." And he goes, "Not the game." The show tonight. Are you going to watch the show tonight? Yeah, uh, because it's much it's much more fun to watch than it is to watch a Lakers game this year. It that's is. for sure. It is. Yeah, and yeah, people, yeah. people are just calling it. Uh, they just call it the Lakers. You are you watching the Lakers tonight? You're watching the Lakers show, and they're talking about winning time, which is great. I love that people are talking about the show and they're really digging it. I mean, episode five the other night uh, to me was just one of the great episodes of television of all time. It just coalesced in such a great way. All the different storylines, everybody got to touch the ball in that episode. It was really, uh, it was just a, a thrill to watch. So I hope people are digging it. Yeah, the relationship that you have with Pat Riley. I was wondering when the two of you were talking and and um, and Adrian Brody is saying to you, you know, so how, how do we do this together? And you were saying, you're doing the fist. <laughs> The, yeah. the closed fist and the open fist. Yeah. Now, is that accurate to what really happened in their that relationship? That is accurate. I believe that was in uh, in Jeff Perlman's Showtime book. Uh, everything that came out of Chick's mouth on this show is pretty accurately sourced and reported from you know pretty pretty solid anecdotal evidence. So yeah, the the fist and the hand and all of that. Uh, the guy that is a wonderful actor you'll see later who plays Keith Erickson who becomes. Chick sidekick after yeah. Chick sort of graduates from uh, after after Riley graduates from Chick Hearn University and and you know ends up coaching. Uh, he was friends with uh, this actor Eric Neninger was friends with Keith Erickson uh, and and verified that the the fist hand thing uh, that was that was one of Chick's Chick's moves. So how'd you get this part? 
How, what was the audition process like? Uh, I had met Adam McKay several years ago at the premiere of Vice. Uh, I've, I've been a McKay fan forever. I just I love his I love his work. I love his comedies. I love I love the the more serious films like Vice and Don't Look Up, the social commentary, um, the Big Short. I mean, he's just an extraordinary filmmaker. One of the smartest guys out there. Uh, I love his podcast, by the way. If you're not hip to uh, Death at the Wing, his his great podcast, which mm. mixes race and politics, and really really great podcast. But I, I approached McKay at the premiere and I just went up and said, Hey, I, I love that film. It was such a, such a gut punch. And, and some Sam Rockwell is a, an old friend and, and, uh, Christian Bale. And I, I went to see them and I, I, I said to McKay, I said, look, I'd love to be on your radar. And he said, you're on my radar now. He said, I'm a fan of yours. I love your work. And so if there's something down the road, so cut to two years later, I come out, uh, I've got a nice little bit in the Tarantino film, Once Upon a Time. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, where I play kind of an announcery guy. And uh, so I guess McKay had seen that. I, I became aware that he'd seen it because he'd, he'd made some comment to my, we, we share a, uh, a couple of clients and in in my manager knows McKay. And so I reached out to my manager and said, get, get me in this room because I would just crush it as chick. So I got the audition for Francine Maisler, who's a kind of a casting legend. She does all of McKay's films and kind of every major film. And I had about two weeks to prepare. I watched a ton of video on Chick. I dressed, I, I went to a vintage store and found an old vintage polyester plaid suit with a big fat wide tie. <laughs> and I did my hair up as much like Chick as I could, because I looked nothing like him, obviously. And, uh, and I went in and the audition was about 15 pages of, of Chick calling a game. Um, and about two weeks later, I got the, I got the call and, uh, it was, it was a thrill. It was really tr truly a thrill. We shot that pilot in the fall of 2019 over two and a half years ago. Wow. And, and then the pandemic hit and we had to shut down for a year. So I had a lot more time to prepare, a lot more time to get chicks voice and cadence and mannerisms in my head and in my body. And so by the time we started up again and Jonah Hill directed the second episode, when we started up in 2021, uh, I was in full, I was in full chick mode, but uh, it was an audition like, a, like every other actor. I, I, I'm sure I was in there with, uh, you know, 50 other guys that were vying for this part and I just got lucky. So uh, it's a, it's been a, a dream gig. So how, how, how challenging is it to, uh, to portray a character that everybody knows, you know, this iconic person? Very challenging, um, more challenging than, than playing Sean Hannity behind me there. Uh, Cause that was a whole, that was a whole different, uh, ball of wax uh, because somebody Chick Hearn was somebody that everybody liked and, and, and respected and revered. Um, it was, it was challenging because when I did my sort of deep dive and research on him, I had no idea that he called 3,338 consecutive games oh, over yeah. one years. I mean, the work ethic was just extraordinary and he had some, he had a tough uh, family situation with his kids uh, so there was a lot of stuff going on with home at with him at home that would normally distract uh, a person from doing their job. But man, when he left the house and he showed up at the forum, he was just he was just on fire, and he had a great relationship with his with the players. He was loved and respected and admired by by everybody that that he worked with. And um, so, getting to know him through research was just really wonderful, and. And also, I just and I just watched hundreds of hours of YouTube video on him, and uh, to try to to try to sound as much like him as I could. But the hardest challenge too was uh, his verbal dexterity, the fact that he could just talk nonstop like that for two hours during a game was was just extraordinary to me. To be able to do that and to come up with those beautiful chickisms and those wonderful turns of phrases that he did, he was at I mean, the, the episode five the other night. I said it's like. It's like painting a picture with your tongue. That's what he did. I mean, yeah. he created this imagery. Sometimes I'd be driving. I mean, in, during that era, I'd be driving in my car and, you know, you turn on the radio and you listen to a Laker game. He was able to, much like Vince Scully, he could, he could paint that visual picture for you. Um, even if you weren't watching the game, he could, you could listen to him uh, and he, you, could, you could actually see the game just listening to his voice. It was that extraordinary. I was actually just going to compare him to Vince Scully, but but the difference with Chick Hearn is that he did it in lightning speed. Yeah, calling exactly. a game, you know, exactly. a basketball game. Yeah, yeah, a nine inning, a nine inning, four hour long baseball game 
uh, as go- as brilliant as as Vin Scully was for Chick to do that, just that rapid fire to be mm-hmm. just having trippingly off the tongue like that. Um, a master, a master. <laughs> so Adam McKay and the and Winning Time portrays uh, Chick as a little bit uh, a little bit racist. Uh, makes a couple of comments, um, makes a homophobic comment to, uh, to Pat Riley. How do you, how do you square that in your, in your head as an actor and as a person who's a fan of Chick Hearn? Uh, you know what, like, like every creative show, uh, people are going to take creative license. And this is, these are based on, these characters are based in, you're looking at these characters through the prism of a completely different time when, when people spoke a lot differently than we do now. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I I'm, I'm familiar with the, uh, the phrase that chick used when he talked about the guy hanging from the rim, yep. uh, all of that, which he apologized for. And uh, I mean, he did have these, these are all, all of the things that are coming out of chick's mouth are, are, are straight out of Perlman's book. So they're accurately sourced and accurately reported. Um, I mean, that's that's kind of who he was. Uh, not not making apologies for him. He's not around to defend himself. Obviously, he's been off the planet for twenty years. But uh, there were some certain things that he said uh, that he was known to say. And that being said, uh, if you listen to his the eulogy that was given for him by Jerry West and Magic Johnson. And you look out and you see all of these black players that were there at, you know, for his, for his memorial service. Um, Whatever, whatever controversy he may have engendered during that time, he was universally beloved uh, by, by African-American players. Um, I did ask Perlman about that, uh, about the comment about Pat Riley's voice. And he, he used to rib Riley about his effeminate voice. Uh, he didn't, he didn't use that F word that we, that we say on the show. Yeah. But again, it's like, they're taking some creative license. It is Adam McKay. So everything's slightly heightened, but it's all, it's all based in, uh, it's all based in pretty accurate reporting. So, um, I felt, I felt comfortable. And I also reached out to, I became friends with Chick's, uh, family with his granddaughter. And so I kind of, I called her beforehand and I sort of warned her. I said, you know, I've got some, there's some things coming out of your grandpa's mouth that you might not. She said, Oh, I, I, I'm familiar. She said, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm prepared. And they love the show. So that makes me, that makes me happy to know that, uh, that they're enjoying the show and they know that creative license is taken, but um, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of, that's kind of who chick was. He was a throwback. It was from another time. Yeah. And I also think like, you know, you think of someone like Donald Sterling and, and you think of Chick Hearn. No, I'm just saying is like, yeah. it, it, it's, it's, it's also in the spirit of how somebody is saying something and yeah, how, Don and how, Sterling's and how, and a whole other, oh, he was, of, he was, you know, whole, whole other level of being a really he was despicable a, he was a gar- garbage human, yeah. a, a despicable person. Whereas yeah. somebody saying something that may not have been appropriate, there's a big difference there. Big time, big time. So you have your IMDb page is I I did not count the number, but I would say 500 credits, something like that. Uh, well, I'm not I'm not that old, but it's it's something like two. It's about 275, 275. Like yeah, I'm getting up there. So you got to be one of those guys who people will say, um, I know you're an actor, but I don't know where you're from. Where are you from? Does that happen to you? Uh, constantly, uh, usually in airports in, in Chicago, Detroit, uh, Atlanta, people will come up to me and say, did we go to high school together? Where do I know you from? Uh, that's why I, I, I kind of, uh, if I ever write a memoir, it's going to be called that guy from that thing. Uh, that's going to be on my tombstone. Here lies that guy from that thing. Yeah. I get So when somebody asks you, how do you answer? I know you from something. Where do I know you from? How's what's the answer? You know, I don't, I don't want to say, well, I'm an actor. Uh, Maybe you've seen me on television. Uh, (laughs) You know, uh, I say, you know, I say, look, I'm uh, maybe, maybe law and order, maybe Star Trek. Uh, I I did a couple of episodes of Star Trek back in the day, not the original one, because I'm not, I'm not 89 years old. But uh, I did the Next Generation and Voyager that that were happened to be episodes that were fairly iconic. That uh, there's a, it's a massive fan base, as you know. So I get I get recognized by a lot of the Trek. 
lifespans and uh, and law and order is on every nine seconds. Yes, somewhere in the world. So um, uh, so I get I get recognized for that. It's funny about about seven or eight years ago, I was at a uh, I was at a New Year's Eve party in New York, and Taylor Swift was there. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine was hosting the, the New Year's Eve party. And he said, do you want to meet Taylor Swift? And I said, sure, who doesn't? So he brought me over to her and she stood up and she came over. And she said, oh, my God, I know you. I know you. And I said, no, we, we've actually never met. And she said, no, no. You, she said, You're, you are, you played Stephen Olson, the district attorney on episode 312 of Law and Order season nine. Like, and I said, what the, how do you know this? And she said, well, she said, I spent a lot of time at home in hotel rooms watching law and order on television. She said, I've seen every episode of law and order that you've done. Um, and I was very, obviously very flattered. Um, and then I said, I said, that's so sweet, Taylor. I said, remind me again, what is it that you do? What do you do again? <laughs> said, I'm a sing-. I said, I know, I know who you are. Um, no, it's funny uh, about the law and order thing with Taylor Swift. Cause I think I was at a Taylor Swift concert. Yes. I said it. I was at a Taylor Swift concert. Sure. She's amazing. Um, as Clayton Kershaw once said, if you don't like Taylor Swift, you're lying to yourself. Um, I think uh, she her had name, her cat's name is Olivia Benson. I was just going to say her cat's yeah. name, Olivia Benson. Yeah. And she had Mariska Hargitay uh, as her special celebrity guest oh, wow. for wow. that concert that night. So, wow. yeah, her cat is named Olivia Benson. It's Very so cool. funny that you brought up, you know, yes, I went to a Taylor Swift concert. Do you remember that Saturday Night Live sketch? when they were all kind of like starting to listen to Taylor Swift and it was like a Taylor Swift, it was like a condition that people had oh, yes, that they yes. actually really liked. It's like, wow, yeah. I really like her. Yeah. How do you, I mean, how can you not like Taylor Swift? Yeah, she um, puts on a great show. I will tell you that. Much. She puts on a great show and she's a lovely human being as well. Um, all of her charity work and I, I, I adore her. And I actually, and I saw her like at an Oscar party about two years ago. And um, and we lit. We happened to be walking up to the bar at the same time to order a beer. And I loved that she was like she had a beer in her hand. And uh, and she turned to me and she's like, "Law and Order guy." <laughs> so I'll I'll be Law and Order guy for t- to Taylor Swift uh, as long as I live, and that's fine with me. So you mentioned the Oscars. So what did, what do you think? I'm sure you've been at award show. What did you think of the uh, the Will uh, Smith Chris Rock moment? Oh man, I, I'm I'm so I'm I'm so tired of talking about it, listening to it, listening to stories about it. Uh, I was in shock, like everybody else was. I thought it was a bit uh, when when it happened, and then and then I realized it wasn't. Um, I wow, it's a it's a, it's a it's a, a slippery slope, Steve. I don't I don't know if I want to. I, I as I'm an Academy member, I'm an Academy voter, so I was embarrassed as an Academy member. Um, I was embarrassed as a movie fan. I was embarrassed for Will. Uh, I felt bad for Chris Rock. Um, it, it shouldn't, it shouldn't have happened. And I feel like, uh, as soon as it happened, uh, if the, let me put it this way, if the cameras cut back to, uh, an empty seat after it happened, I would have been more pleased. Hmm. Uh, I, I don't think they should have allowed him to, he, he assaulted Chris Rock. And uh, full stop. And so that was very that was very shocking and unsettling. I did. I, I thought his apology uh, the next day or two days later, I guess, uh, was nice. But his apology when he resigned from the academy um, was a little bit more full throated and fulsome. And, and I appreciated that. And um, he'll obviously get to keep his Oscar, which is fine. But uh, I just thought it was really it was just I thought it was outrageous and unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. And to, to, to do that in front of, uh, you know, millions of people all around the world. Uh, by the way, on a moment that should have been like the ultimate night is, I mean, after 40 years in the business, he's going to win an Academy Award for Best Actor. Yeah. This is like the pinnacle. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, it's almost it was almost an act of self-sabotage in some self-sabotage. But he also he stole the thunder away from the subsequent people that he stole the thunder away from quest love and getting his sure. award after that and everything that happened after it just, I was texting uh, a, an actor friend of mine who was in the room where it happened. And, uh, uh, and he was just like the, the, a frost descended on the room. As soon as that happened, it was just, it was chilling, but yeah, he, he, 
he killed the vibe in the room. He stole the thunder away from all the other nominees. And, um, uh, and he, and he, when he got up and won and he made his speech, he made his speech strangely about himself. Yeah. Narcissistic. Uh, re- which really bummed me out. Uh, he had an opportunity. He had about 25 minutes to sit there and think about what he was going to say. Everyone knew he was going to win. And he had a, he had an opportunity to go up and apologize to Chris Rock uh, and did not. And that just kind of that 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 kind of tainted it for me. I'm a fan. I mean, I'm a I'm a I'm a fan of his and uh, and it really soured it for me. Sad. Yeah. Yeah. And just everybody applauding him for his victory just was so tainted. I was just, I was I think it, I was I was just as shocked by seeing the standing ovation for him. Uh, as I was by the actual slap that 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 probably bummed me out even more. I thought, really, guys? Yeah, you're going to applaud this behavior. It's it's kind of indicative of I, I don't we don't have to get into politics, but it, this country has gotten very, very mean. Uh, yeah. In yeah. Several years. And and it's uh, and it breaks my heart. And, and ironic, well, I just want to say, ironically, you know, it's such a testament to some, to Chris Rock, a comedian. And I, and I, I was a stand up for many, many years. So I yeah. have so much respect for Chris Rock in, yeah. in, in many, many ways that he has not said anything. Like he had so many opportunities. He yeah. performed a couple of nights later yeah. and people wanted to hear him talk about what happened. What are yeah. your jokes about Will Smith? And someone actually yelled out, like, I think it was like, fuck Will Smith. You know, like during his show. And he was like, hey, hey, hey. Yeah. Don't don't go there. Yeah. You know? So I mean, in the grand scheme of thing, you, things, you, you you see what's happening in Ukraine right now and and just all over the world. Uh it 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 pales in comparison. But what's happening in our country is we've just gotten so petty and so mean and uh and so angry. And I, I hope we can find our way back to some kind of civility and peace. And um uh, I, I really hope we can we can do that, and I, I hope those 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 two cats can hug it out at some point. Um, it would it would it would send a real signal. But so, uh, so you mentioned politics. You were in all the way with uh, my friend Brian Cranston, and oh, I man. probably moderated at least fifteen Q and As with Cranston. And Have you really? Roach for wow. All the way. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Brian and I own movie theaters together, and. He's been a good friend for a long time. And you mentioned- I love that man. I, I want to be him when I grow up. I just, yeah, yeah. he's, he's amazing. Um, but, but you mentioned, you know, the way politics are today, the way politics are in all the way is Johnson, Linda B. Johnson. It's about Linda B. Johnson. If you don't know the project, uh, LBJ is basically leaning on congressmen to vote in, in his way. Um, with the civil rights legislation, all that stuff. Um, But politics then, although Lyndon B. Johnson was uh, demanding and would lean on you, it's nothing compared to what it is today. Like the the worlds have completely transformed. Much, much different, uh, much different. I loved loved that play. I saw Brian do the play. It was an honor to be with him in the film. Uh, that was, I think, my third political film for Jay Roach, uh, who just makes great films about politics. Right. You did Bombshell. Uh, I did Bombshell and I did All the Way and I did uh, Game Change about Sarah Palin. And, oh, that's uh, right. Uh, now, what, what did you do in Game Change? I'm trying to remember. I, I played a guy movie. named I played a guy named Steve Began, who was a political advisor. Uh, w- one of my favorite lines in anything I've ever said was it, uh, it was a scene with the great Julianne Moore and me and a wonderful actor named Brian Howe, uh, who played my political counterpart, and we're sitting in a room with, with Sarah Palin. We've got a big map of the world spread out on a desk. And I say, now, this is Germany. They were our primary <laughs> adversaries in World War I and World War II. Um, yeah, I, 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 I love that film. And I love, <laughs> that was, uh, but that was my first experience working with Jay. And then... Uh, and I had been a fan of Brian and I've known Brian for years. Uh, so to get to share the screen with him and all the way was uh, that was a thrill as well. But yeah, I mean, they, they certainly did things differently back then. If you've read any of Robert Caro's books on LBJ, um, a means of ascent and master of the Senate and all of that. I mean, he just uh, politics back then was, was, it was, it was done. It was done differently. Um, I don't know if you could say it was done with more civility, but uh, 
they worked things out and it was done in a much more bipartisan yes. way. Everything is so split right down the middle right now with red and blue. Um, it's uh, it's unfortunate. But it, it also seems that there are people in office today that kind of like failed up in a way and ended and or like that's, I, a, that's I an at, understatement. But I, I just see people who it's like, how did you get here? You know, it's, it's, it's you know what I mean? It's just it's 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 like um like, why are you why do you have this seat? It's you bananas. don't know you don't know anything you're talking about. You're so uneducated. How did you not only how did you get here, but why do you want to like you had a nice, comfortable life as a housewife or uh, whatever it was? Why do you want to it's it all seems so performative and for shock value. Um, I don't see a lot of work being done by no. a lot of the people that, you know, you and I are probably thinking about. Um, and it's, uh, it's like, yeah, how did you get here? And why do you want to be here in the first place? You're not helping the country. All you're doing is just using this as a, a loud megaphone to show off what a, what a Looney Tunes you are. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like a junior high school popularity contest of like, yeah. let me see if I could actually win. Yeah. But then what are you going to do with it when you have the seat? Nothing. Because yeah. you, yeah. you, you don't have any skill. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's mind-boggling. I mean, we've always had uh, a couple of crackpots in the House, in the Senate, obviously. But it seems like there is a preponderance of them now. There's, there's, it's, a, it's a full bowl full of nuts now. Uh, it's hard to choose which one is nuttier than, than the next. Uh, we have t- far too many... Uh, Far far too many people uh, that are just they're 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 ideologues and they're there for. Go on, you were to say something. Well, I and, and you know, Steve and I, you know, pride ourselves that we don't talk a lot about politics, and probably yeah. for the reasons that I'm going to say something and he's going <laughs> to get mad at me. But the thing is, is that there are people who are in office that are smart that I don't agree with, and yeah. they're 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 not on my side. Yeah. And you know that they know that these people that we're not mentioning are idiots and they know that what they're saying is so um, uh, dangerous Yes, and they don't do anything about it. Correct. And yeah. I don't know how with a straight face they agree with them and don't and don't speak up because they know we know that they know it's wrong. And that, to me, is is the most egregious of it all. One hundred percent, I agree with you. Uh, because ultimately, it becomes about power and winning and staying in power. So you're going to let the you're going to let the the loonies, the children, play in their sandbox and do their thing, and kind of turn your back and look the other way, and hope that this twenty four news cycle, oh, somebody, another another member of my party did something completely outrageous. Well, they'll forget about it in three days. Remember, uh, somebody went to a white nationalist. Uh, no. conference a month yes. ago yes. and we all talked about it for about three days we're not talking about it now because the next looney tunes person did something else looney tunes and we talk about that for three days and we move on um so yeah it's uh it, it's it's i think it, to me it's about it's about staying in power and uh and and turning the other cheek and hoping that people forget the story until and so we can move on now you've got a unique perspective on this because your wife is uh, is Dana Bash and my, girl, uh, she, my girlfriend. We're oh, not, I'm sorry, your girlfriend. We have okay. we haven't yeah we haven't gone to down down the aisle yet. But uh, I don't want to put pressure on you. Uh, <laughs> but but she is a very big deal in my life. I wake up every Sunday morning. I put uh, Dana on CNN. I watch George Stephanopoulos. I watch Chuck Todd. I mean, uh, that is a huge gig being on uh, Sunday morning. So you've you've kind of. Uh, you've got a foot in this pool to some degree, right? I do. Yeah. It's interesting. And we have a, we have sort of a house rule. I mean, she's in DC. I'm in LA. I go back and we've been together nine years. I go back and forth to DC every couple of weeks. And we do have sort of a house rule where we don't talk, we don't talk about politics, uh, when we're, when we're together, which is hard for me because I'm such a political junkie and I, I'll text her sometimes or I'll call her and say, could you believe that so-and-so did said such and such? And she's like, I, I, I've been at this for 17 hours today. Can we talk about bananas or something? Right. I don't want to talk about what X, Y, and Z did. I really don't. So now are you allowed to talk about acting? You, politics is off limits. Are you allowed to talk about acting? Dude, I'm an actor. You give me a chance <laughs> to talk about myself. I'm going to, 
<laughs> sure. I'll, I'll talk about acting till the cows come home. Um, she's, she, she's fascinated by what I do and, and, and my world out here. Um, and she, and she loves it and she loves hearing me talk about it. I think or at least she says so. Um, so yes, I'm, al- I'm allowed to talk about acting. She, I, she can't really quite understand how I do what I do or how I managed to live in this pool, uh, as long as I have. But, uh, so it's an interesting, it's an interesting mixture of, uh, of, of our two lives. Um, I have enormous respect for her and, and what she does and her work ethic is off the charts. I mean, she, she works, she works constantly. She's got a, a, an amazing 10 year old son. She's an incredible mom. Um, she does the Sunday show. She's reporting all the time. As we speak, she's, uh, she's in Poland. She called me the other day. She's like, I'm jumping on a plane to interview President Duda in Poland. I'll be gone hmm. for a few days. Wow. Um, you know, as you do. Uh, and I say, well, that's great, honey. I'm, I'm going to go to the dry cleaners and change my head shot. <laughs> then, oh, that's so funny that you say that. And then, and then I'm going to change my head shot at the dry cleaners and then I'm going to go buy a stamp. Uh, Spencer, that is so funny you say that because I, I worked for a lawyer many years. That was the last job I had before I became a stand-up comedian. Yeah. And I had a friend who had gotten into an accident and my lawyer, for, uh, the guy I worked for, said, All right, I want him to go to this particular doctor. Yeah. So the guy, my friend walked into the doctor's office and being L.A., there were headshots of all these actors on the wall of uh, the I think I know room. the doctor you're talking about. I don't even remember who the guy is, uh, who, who he was. It was a long, long time ago. There was a, there was a, there was a doctor named Dr. Michelson. Whenever you get a job that overseas or uh, if I get a job for a movie that shoots in Thailand or, or someplace, uh, you have to take a medical exam or pretty much every time you do a job, you've got to take a medical exam. You have to pass a physical. And this is a guy named Dr. Michael Michelson, who you walk into his office and there's a thousand headshots on the wall. And you would walk in, and uh, the last time I saw him, I was heading to Malaysia to do a, a movie for Michael Mann. And I remember walking in there and seeing Seymour Cassell, great character actor. Oh, great character actor, <laughs> yeah. Sitting, on the, sitting in the waiting room of a doctor's office, smoking a cigar uh, in the waiting room of a doctor's office. <laughs> and, and I'm chatting up with Seymour C- Cassell, and, I, and I, I said, you know, Seymour, you might want to put that out. We're in a doctor's office. He's like, yeah, when Michelson knows me, it's okay. So I go in and you see the doctor and he puts the stethoscope on and he checks your heartbeat. Is your heart beating? Yes, doctor. Uh, Cough, you know, give me a couple of coughs. Okay. You sound great. Have a good time in Malaysia. Um, (laughs) In and and out, in and out in about 10 minutes. Uh, It's hilarious. Hilarious. But uh, well, that was my point. So my yeah. friends saw all these pictures and, yeah. and, and left and called me up and said, this guy's like a quack. I don't, I don't trust, <laughs> you know, he's like a star fucker. I don't want, I don't, I don't trust him. And I'm, I'm not going to go to this doctor. He didn't seem legitimate to, to him. He's that a legit doctor. I mean, I didn't, I'm not, I don't mean to, I don't mean to uh, knock him. I, he's been, he's, he's been the sort of the country doctor for Hollywood for, for 50 years. I'm not sure that he's doing, I don't think he's doing it anymore. I think it was kind of a family business. They've passed it on to his kids, but uh, it's still the place to go whenever you get a, a job and you have to have a, a physical. I, there was a, actually a dentist. Um, I, don't, I don't know the guy's name. Some friend of mine, comedian friend of mine said, oh, all the comedians go to this guy. And I went and yeah. while he's, you know, doing a checkup, you know, my mouth's open. He's talking to me. He's like, oh, do you know Jerry Stein? He's like asking me if I know all these people. I'm like, just fill the cavity or, you know, just do the cleaning. Don't ask me if I know all these people. He was just so interested in show business that I, I couldn't go to him anymore. It was That's just hilarious. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, so, so we've all been watching winning time and we watch everything now. You know, the big question around my house is what's, what's that on? Uh, we, uh, we name a show and it's like, what streaming service is it on Netflix? Is it on Hulu? Is it on, uh, what are, what are you watching right now? What, what shows are you kind of burning on? Man, I'm so, I'm so behind. Uh, I love television to pieces and I'm, I'm just getting caught up, believe it or not. Uh, I'm just now starting. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say this, but I've just started Boardwalk Empire. Oh, I wow. Know. I know. I know. 
Uh, I just started Mrs. Maisel because uh, uh, Dana loves it. And it's she Dana consumes more to for somebody that works as much as she does that that woman consumes more television. Hmm. Uh, I don't know how she finds the time to do it. I'm so busy getting my headshot changed at the dry cleaners that I don't have time <laughs> to watch all that television. Um, but she watches a lot of television. So she tells me what to watch. So uh, I'm getting caught up with Maisel, uh, Boardwalk Empire. I just watched uh, Inventing Anna, which I thought oh, was that's so, uh, such a good show. Great, great show. Um, what is that accent? I mean, would you ever come up with that accent that uh, Julia? I mean, you're so basic. She's it's so phenomenal. Wasn't What's- she great? What's I'd what never are you seen wearing? Her Ozark. So love, love Ozark. <laughs> yeah. Um, she was, she, t- I remember she talked about, she went on a talk show and she was talking about how she concocted this accent. And it was sort of a little, it was a kind of a combination of Russian and German and beautiful. She's an incredible artist. I, I, I just thought she was amazing on that show. Um, what else? Gosh, what else am I watching? I'm, I'm getting caught up to Better Call Saul. Oh, um, yeah. So right. get ready uh, for the uh, final season. The final season, um, which I just loved. I was, I, if, if you told me something amazing is on tonight, some, some new streaming show is on, I will go on my Netflix queue and I'll flip around and I'll look for the, the new thing that's on. And nine times out of 10, I will go back and start watching Breaking Bad from the beginning. Yeah. To me, that is, it's the greatest show in the history of television. Uh, the most brilliantly acted, brilliantly written and cast show. I've watched Breaking Bad. I told this to Cranston. I, I've watched Breaking Bad three times through all, you know, all seven seasons yep. three times through. I would go back and watch that again before I would. I don't know what it is. It's like it's like uh, it's like meth. Well, you know, it is. It's like and plus it's like one of those crazy character transformations that you just don't see very often. I mean, he starts off, people forget. I mean, we all picture Heisenberg. Um, nobody really remembers what he was like as that sort of milk toast high school math teacher. Yeah. Um, it's incredible the the journey that that character goes through. What an amazing trip that is. Yeah, such a trip. And uh, I saw I saw Brian in his play at the Geffen a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and we went and so good. I mean, the dude is just a master on stage. He's so great. And we went out afterwards, and I had a couple of beers. And I said, "Okay, so tell me. We all want to know." He's like, "Nope, not going to tell you." I mean, everybody wants to know. If is he or isn't he? Right? Yeah. Is he yeah. or isn't he? He's going to show up in in uh, in Better Call Saul. Uh, By the way, what do you think? I mean. I, yeah, I hope I think so. Yes. I think yes. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. Um, I play. I played. Uh, I played golf a couple of weeks ago with Patrick Fabian, who plays Hamlin. On yeah, it. yeah. Mm. One of my oldest actor buddies, and uh, and I got him in a headlock. I said, "Tell me, tell me. <laughs> I'll sign an NDA. Tell me. I won't tell anybody. <laughs> I'll give you some strokes. I'll give you some strokes. <laughs> but yeah, I think I. I. I think I think he's. I mean, you got to have. You got to have. Walter White show up, don't you? Oh, yes. you absolutely do. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Do. Looking, looking different too. Yeah, but I mean, but Better Call Saul is. I think it's kind of a show that sort of flew under the radar for its first couple of seasons, and then it caught up. It caught steam, just like Breaking Bad did. Yes, the acting on on Better Call Saul is is just as extraordinary as it was. Oh, Bob Odenkirk is so great in that movie. Oh, great, Ray Seahorn is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patrick yeah. is great. I mean, it's it's just a it's a great, great show. And Jonathan Banks is uh, is uh, <laughs> Jonathan Banks, who's been around forever, obviously. And and uh, he and I were in acting class when I first moved out here from New York in the early '90s. And I was in acting class with uh, a guy named Gordon Hunt, who is Helen Hunt's father, uh, who sadly has passed away. Wonderful acting teacher. And Jonathan had already he was already 35 years into his career at that point. And to look over in in class and see a, a guy a guy of the caliber of Johnny Banks still going to acting class still trying yeah. to learn and grow and get better that was such a great kind of object lesson for me um I still go to class I mean I I, I learned from those guys um somebody like Cranston I mean he's just he's he's uh he's a, not only he's a master actor but he's also just a mensch and a good guy yes and he, and he gives back and um he gives back to the community. 
And he's just also just an actor's actor. And that's, that's, that's what I want to be when I grow up. Yeah. 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 Uh, Well, listen, uh, this is, Oh, actually, before we go, give me your gut hunch. You're a sports guy. Give me your gut hunch. Two teams playing in the NBA finals this year. Oh, wow. Not the Lakers. No, definitely not. You know, you know what? You know what, Steve? I have I've not been I really have not been in the loop on on pro ball. I've really been all about NCAA. So I couldn't tell you who's even in the conversation right now, to be honest. To, who, 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 who do you think? Uh, I like Phoenix. Phoenix got the best yeah. record in the league. Yeah, I know they were Phoenix there last year. Well. And I, I like a repeat of last year. I think Milwaukee and Phoenix this time. Phoenix win. I, I like that, too. I could I could see that. I, before I moved back out to LA, I lived in New York for many years, and I was a Knicks fan. So I'm uh, I'm kind of a closet Knicks guy too, and that's that's a that's a heartbreaker. Uh, uh-huh. Any way you slice it, so yeah, probably yeah. probably probably Phoenix and Milwaukee. Milwaukee was so fun last year; they were great to watch. I love that story. Yeah, and without question, fair to say, no Lakers. No yeah. Lakers. Bummer. I, I, I love that, that you say you're a closet Knicks fan. I'm from New York, so it's it's kind of like you're you're like embarrassed to say that you're a I mean fan. Listen, I, I, I feel the same way. It's, it's hard. I mean, it's a, being a Giants fan and a Knicks it's, fan the last couple of years. Yeah. Um they'll 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 have their moment in the sun, I think. Um, but yeah, the Lakers season uh is forgettable. Uh I hope they can I hope they got a lot of regrouping to do. Um, hopefully with a new coach, possibly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we'll probably be getting some news about that soon. I would imagine soon. But, it's, uh, almost, it's almost over. It's almost it's over. Almost, I know it's almost over. It's almost over. Stop the bleeding. But listen, man, I'm I'm glad. I'm glad people are loving uh, winning time. And uh, you know, I I, I hope uh, uh, I I hope that Magic and Kareem and Jerry West and company they can watch the show with a little bit more open open eyes and open hearts and. Uh, appreciate that it's uh, it's not a documentary. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's a dramatization, uh, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing Magic's doc on Apple. Yeah, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, we got Magic's doc. We've got a Lakers doc about the okay. Showtime era that's coming out later this year. From Genie Bus. Yeah, and and there's a Genie Bus sitcom half hour comedy with Mindy Kaling. Yes. That's going to yes. be coming out too. So yeah, the Lakers were a little bit, I mean, knowing people over there, they were a little uh, perturbed by the whole thing coming out when it did and all that stuff. But I mean, as a Lakers fan and Lakers fans that I talked to all the, everybody's just eating it up. It's a great show. People are loving it. I know that uh, I know about the chick controversy chick, but even chick fans are, are loving it and they're loving, they're loving the portrayal. Uh, and it's uh, it's it's just a th- it's a thrilling thing to be a part of, and it's fun to be on something that is that people are talking about. Um, and I understand Jeannie Buss is a fan of the show too, which which makes me very happy. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, listen, uh, the show is great. It's called uh, Winning Time. It's on Sunday nights on HBO. Spencer, thanks a lot for doing this, man. We really appreciate it. it was Thank fun. you guys. I, I had a blast. I really appreciate you, Steve. Thanks, Sue. Nice to meet you, everybody. Okay. So that line, I have to go change my picture at the dry cleaners is such a great line. It's like the first thing I noticed when I moved from New York to L.A. Because, you know, New York, it's it's not really a showbiz. It's not a showbiz town. I mean, it's a theater town. But you I mean, I'm sure, you know, you you may see, you know, in certain restaurants, you'll see like an autograph, you see some autograph pictures. Yep. But it is just this uncanny thing that when you go to try cleaners <laughs> in, in LA, they all have walls of fame. Yeah. By the way, car washes too. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, the car wash. Because <clears throat> uh, uh, so and so had their car washed here. It's good enough for my car. Right. And it's funny because there's so many people on the wall. I have no idea who they are. Right. And some of them are not like big players. They're just people who happen to have headshots. And frankly, if you live in L.A., chances are you have one. You have one. Even if you're not an actor, you just have a headshot. Everybody has a headshot in L.A. All right. Well, there you have it. Uh, There it plays Chick Hearn. I thought that was an interesting answer, too, about some of the stuff about Chick Hearn that is people are sort of questioning. Um, it's, uh, it's a really fun show. It's called winning time. It's on uh, Sunday nights on HBO and strongly recommend if you haven't already chances are because a lot of our listeners come from, 
you know, from uh, from ESPN uh, listeners and all that stuff. Uh, chances are people are watching it. It's a really, really good show. I love it. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, don't forget, you can subscribe to the Culture Pop Podcast on Apple, on Spotify, and at SteveMason.com. And remember to leave us a rating and a review. Sue, great seeing you. Talk soon. All right. And we'll see everybody next time on the Culture Pop Podcast. <laughs>